Wedding Soup, the greatest comedy ever to hit the screen. Superman, the other movie. You'll see fantastic cinematography and dramatic acting. But when the Big Bang comes and you're all being blown to bits, don't come running to me. Uh-uh, no way. See David Gerald as the brilliant Kryptonian scientist Jello, Bejo Trimble and Kirk Allen as foster parents Ma and Pa Kent. Albie Moore as Perry Blythe, Editor-in-Chief of The Daily Comet. David Dubner as cuddly cub reporter Jimmy Nielsen. Trisha Matthews as Lois Lame, ace reporter for The Daily Comet. Sir Daniel Sanchez as the world-famous mad genius Rex Ruther, arch-nemesis of Superman. Melinda McGuire as his beautiful bouncing bosom buddy, Miss Tushmaker. Drex Reed as the evil Kraptonian criminal, General Zit. And starring Mark Radzinski as mild-mannered reporter, Clark Kent, who in reality is... Superfan! Yes, you'll go nuts over Superfan! You'll laugh till you'll drop! So hang in there, it's coming soon! Superfan! The other movie! Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Third Degree Burn. I am Tim Elliott, and with me we have most of the Burn crew. Uh, representing the West Coast, we have John Hyatt. Hello! Uh, representing the Lone Star State, we have Brian Hughes. It's hot here. Excuse me. <laughs> Hi, guys. And we have our weatherman, Kirk Greenfield. Kirk, you there? Kirk, yeah. you're coming a little, little low. A little low? Yep. A little low. Yep. Sorry, but I'm here. Okay. Uh, so we are going to be covering a, a new book this week. And we want to, Brian, you want to tell us what we're going to cover? Well, you before know, before, before we, we get into that, um, let's take a moment here. You know, uh, just the other night, we got the sad, sad news of the passing of Chadwick Boseman. And uh, for those that know, Chadwick Boseman is most notable for having played uh, T'Challa, the Black Panther, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Uh, the death was sudden uh, to uh, all of us fans because uh, while he had been diagnosed with cancer uh, four years ago, colon cancer, he kept it quiet except for just those in his inner circle. Um, and so he he passed away the other day, and then it was announced, uh, and just Facebook exploded with post after post of people just not able to believe this. Uh, I was shocked myself, but within just a few minutes that uh, it had been released, uh, I must have seen at least 100 posts from people across Facebook and many groups that were just in disbelief and um, struck by sadness. It was a sad night that night. There was just no getting around it. Um, how about you guys? Did you see it the same way, or did you find out in the morning? I think I saw it on... Facebook and somebody said, and that for us, I kind of react like everybody else, like what? This, this is not true. And then as you read on, yeah, it was confirmed that he had died. And, you know, so yeah, it's it's. But I think it's uh, it's a shock that he's 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 gone. But it's more of a shock that there was no nobody broke the news earlier. There was no like you said, he kept it quiet. Nobody, at least that I knew of, there was nothing in the news that he had been sick or had been fighting this or anything like that. It was just out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised there had not been like a, a plea for prayer or or anything in the months leading up to this or, or, or anything at all. And you have to chalk it all up to, you know, Bozeman himself, 
you know, I mean, he's always seemed like a real down-to-earth fellow, and and you know, there's nothing yeah, that that shows it more than than this act right here. That while he's dying, he just didn't want to make it all about him. Huh. That may have been why we we have not, at least I don't remember seeing anything really talk of uh, a, a Black Panther sequel. I mean, obviously he did the the Avengers movies. He went in and did those, but. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they're as big a hit as Black Panther was that they would have uh, got a uh, another film up? But I guess he was too, you know, he might have been too busy with um, the uh, Civil War, obviously did before his film, and then and the two Avengers movies. But and then he put out, I think that I know of one other film that came out this year. I think. Um, well, he's got a pretty decent filmography, um, but you know, and of course, uh, Forty Two, the Jackie Robinson story being one of them. Uh, but I mean, this is a guy that, uh, as I understand it, um, he, if, if you look at some of the pictures of him leading up to all this, you can actually see him losing the weight. Some people did make comments on that. Um, but yeah, you were talking about 21 Bridges, The Five Birds. Uh, he's got two movies that, well, one movie that's completed, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. So I'm sure that one will get uh, a pretty good release. Uh, if they even are able to release movies. I know that, that, that a lot of movies, well, not a lot of movies, but movies are starting to get released as of this last weekend. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to the see new, what happens, new. whether or not that's going to help. The New Mutants, yeah, it uh, <laughs> it started in the theaters, and apparently it, it uh, looked, uh, from what I read, it looked pretty bad. Um, yeah. But I haven't uh, read anything. Did you see, I think it was on Facebook, the, the comment Bob McCloud made about it? And he's kind of stepped back on some of that. He he really brought Black Panther to life in a great way. I mean, if you ever tried to envision what Black Panther was like, um, he did it. <laughs> so I'm really really appreciate his work. And uh, man, it was just uh, it's it's really sad that we're going to lose him. Not because selfishly we're going to lose his work but just because it's sad that a man so young and so talented and so such an amazing person um apparently <laughs> i didn't know him in real life but he seemed to be doing a lot of good stuff uh, outside of of work so yeah it's really sad yeah i think that they will be recasting uh t'challa because i mean just that the the, the i i think that that it's just too too big of a franchise for them to sit there and say, no, we're not going to continue on with it. Yeah, and, it's hard. MCU has has recast characters, not main characters, but they have recast characters. So, you know, I, I don't see any problem with them doing it. It's just finding that right person that's going to have that same kind of charisma and yeah. and, and gravitas that, that uh, yeah. Bozeman had. Uh, that's a sad, or sad thing. May, maybe his sister takes up the the role, which would be really awesome. <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that what they did in the comics, where Suri, Suri you know, became the Panther later? I, I'm not sure. I haven't been following a lot of the characters in comics lately, so uh, that would be. I hate to say it, but that would be the more logical. PC thing to do. Well, it, it it would. I think it would. It would satisfy fans because it would be kind. Of, you, you know how when when Keith Ledger was the Joker and and he you know passed away, and there was talk of oh because his performance was so perfect that they didn't want to ever cast a Joker again. It's like <laughs> well he you know don't we don't we're not gonna cast anybody else. We're not gonna ever have a Joker again because we've seen the best. 
months. And I would think that there might be a little backlash if they put in another actor uh, to replace him because it might be seen as, well, you're just a company trying to save its franchise as opposed to John's suggestion that, well, let's put, you know, if she's, I guess she's old enough uh, by now, uh, put her, I mean, she developed the suit, put her in the suit, and I think it would probably be just as popular and it might satisfy more fans. The only the only thing is that how do you broach the subject of the death of the Black Panther, uh, the death of T'Challa? Because, I mean, he can't go out like Captain Kirk did in Generations. That would just be sorry. No, no, no. But you could do it. I mean, they could, I think they could do it tastefully. They could even, if they... do a flashback and have somebody else in the suit and... Yeah, he's defending Wakanda or something. Some supervillain gets the best of him and he dies and he he passes it on to her. The villain gets the best of him. That's the worst way. I mean, that's that's why I always hated Generations. Well, I'm... <laughs> Whatever, yeah. yeah. Just th- that's that's three old men fighting over the TV remote. But uh, <laughs> thank you. I mean, he could do it. Any, he could you. do it. Anything. It could. It could be. You know, maybe it's a natural disaster, or maybe something. He dies saving his people, where he vanishes, where he well, vanishes into another dimension, or you know, is yeah. in a mystic ritual and. Right. Yeah. Or he's got. Yeah. Right. Right. He's just. He's just off. You know. He's just off the playing board. But I think it'd be a little more touching if he, if if in his dying he passes it on to his sister and says, right. "Hey, right. you know, you have to be the new Black Panther." Yeah. yeah. Or they can just do a Darren switch. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I think yeah. that's more likely. Yeah, I, I well, see that, them do them doing that simply because you know the Black Panthers got such pull at, mm-hmm. at the box office. But uh, you know we'll we'll just have to wait and see what what we'll MCU wait. does. What what fight it'll be a couple of years either way. <laughs> yeah, and, and again, you know, we're, we're because we are in this pandemic, we just don't know what's going to happen. You know, one month to the next, everybody started at school within the last week or two, and we're just waiting for that shoe to drop of what's going to happen now. Um, is everybody was everybody okay from the the hurricane? I don't think anybody was actually in the hurricane's path, except maybe I wasn't. Yeah. Kurt, Didn't Kurt affect was me at all. In, in the the final storm's path. No, uh, it swept swept south of us, so we got barely any rain. We it got, was a non-event for us. We got wave after wave of hundred degree temperatures that, that came from you know one day to you know another day a couple late a couple later, and then we would get these patched thunderstorms. Last night we had. We were up to 108 uh, late, late yesterday, and then within 30 minutes, it went down to 75 degrees, and we had 60 mile hour winds knocking the limbs off the trees and took some of the siding off my house. Wow! So it's it's just crazy how the weather's been flip flopping on us. The only, the only effect we got was our our humidity went from three percent to eighteen percent, and here in Vegas, when humidity hits 15, 16 percent, 20 percent, they freak out. Yeah. They talk about how muggy it is and how it's like, you guys have no idea. <laughs> no idea. We're like that here is. in San Diego, too. <laughs> Although the last couple of weeks we've had like 80 percent humidity and that's just like. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's always been and I guess California and like Florida is it's 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 muggier, but there always seems to be kind of a breeze. So what, like when Florida never felt as, as stifling hot as it would get in Texas. And same when we were the, the time we went to San Diego, uh, the first time we went to Comic-Con, it was July. 
and we were on the beach. We're like, oh, this will be nice and warm. We were so used to the the Gulf. We got in the water, you know, just waiting. I'm like, wow, this water is freezing. <laughs> that was that was such a, <laughs> such a surprise, but yes. <laughs> I think all the freaks in uh, California, um, not California, but uh, Florida. I think Dr. Bill and uh, Scott and the rest are okay. I don't think any of them had any yeah. had any uh, problems with the storm. Well, we talked to Dr. Bill the other day. Yeah. And he's doing okay. We talked to Paul Spataro, too. Yeah. More he's... on that later. Yeah. So what do you guys think about the New Mutants movie? Are you looking forward to it coming up? Uh, some of the uh, reviews are not the best, it seems. people. I heard it was – I heard one review that said it was the worst uh, comic book movie ever. I haven't – I haven't read any actual reviews on it, but uh, I, the only thing I read was that Bob McCloud was not too happy with the, what, some of the changes they had made, and then they misspelled his name in the credits, too. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I saw that, too. There was a TV made-for-TV movie uh, a couple of decades ago about the New Mutants that had very weak was special effects. with Finola Hughes in it? Where she yes. was the White Queen, and it, yeah, yeah, I don't remember that, but it was like X something. It was X Generation was X. Generation that's, X. That's right. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was. Oh, that was Sorry. so bad. Yeah, Isn't that the one with Matt was Matt Frewer in that. I don't or remember. Some, I don't remember. Was he in some kind of a mutant type? Well, he type is a show. mutant. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he is a mutant. So I, I I don't recall him him being in in that. Um, I, you know, the thing is, the one thing that I just was always um, intrigued by the New Mutants was the what I felt was perfect casting of Maisie Williams as uh, as Rand Sinclair. Because I thought if there's anybody that could capture that character's essence, it was going to be her. Uh, and if you if you don't know who I'm talking about, she's the one that played Arya Stark on the uh, Game of Thrones series. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could say I could see yeah, I could see her playing that, but I guess the they didn't have her. That's one thing. McLeod was upset they didn't give her kind of spiky red hair. Uh, I don't because he did that for a reason. I mean, he did that because her hair matched the wolf's hair. Right, and she even mentions that in you know that she could never do anything with her hair. It was kind of like I'm stuck with this kind of yeah. hairstyle. But, kind of like uh, Kirsten Dunst in the interview for a Vampire <laughs> with yeah. the Vampire, he was like, <laughs> yeah. cut it off, it grows right back. Or I haven't seen. I have. I don't know if. Um, I mean, it, it, I'm interested to see it because I was a big New Mutants fan. Um, I, I just don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know who the villain is because this this movie had been it's, like. Isn't it the demon? It's the bear? demon bear. Yeah, it's, it's the, the demon. demon bear. Oh, okay. And because uh, this is a horror film, this is not like you know the superhero films that that, that I knew that was that was the approach they were taking when it first came out. There was talk of oh, it's different, it, and because this thing has been Cut talked about for three yeah. years, yeah, it's like it's ever coming out, and it's suddenly oh, it's here. Uh, and yeah, I knew they were taking kind of a, a, a Blumhouse kind of approach that it was going to be more horror than, which I'm not sure if that's right for uh, uh, for that. For that uh, franchise, but what do I know? Um, now, getting good reviews is Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yeah, I've heard that's a solid film. It, it's given everybody the right feels, is I think is is what I keep you know reading. <laughs> it, it, it's hitting people in that right spot. Uh, again, I don't know that people are going to the theaters. I think you're actually able to watch it on on demand now. But I you have think, to buy yeah. the movie for like right. twenty dollars or, or something along those lines if you want to do that. I can wait on that. I so can I. Yes. Well, um, speaking of giving everybody the right the right feel, uh, what do you guys think of the Snyder cut? 
you know, the, the often talked about the elusive and suddenly, oh, there is really is a Snyder cut. Well, you know, the, uh, the, the, they did a lot here. I mean, he spent another, what, $75, $80 million in recutting and reshooting uh, scenes and adding more adding more to it, uh, brought back the, the band and and did a lot. And instead of being, you know, a two-hour movie, he's made it a four-hour miniseries. It's going to be yeah. one, one hour each of, you know, four episodes and then they'll uh, put it all cut it all together as one long movie. right but uh i you know again it it's going to be what it is and, and it's probably going to be a beautiful mess you know like um uh most of his films well like michael bay's armageddon you know that's a movie that is is beautifully shot it's got amazing action it's got visuals and it's got molly mounds in it and <laughs> it's it's all these things and everything but the movie's a mess in uh, another one you could use in that conversation is Rambo First Blood Part 2. The movie's a mess, but people love it. They just love it. This is one of those that, you know, there's going to be a contingent of people that are going to hate it regardless because it is a Snyder movie. Well, there, I think the Snyder uh, critics will say, and, I, and I, I kind of agree, that he's good at, he's good at visuals and he's mm -hmm. good at framing scenes. It's his writing that is weak. Right. And you have to admit that the writing in Man of Steel and uh, Batman v Superman and Justice League, I don't know how much of that's his, is kind of weak. And you can certainly see how uh, that those the, the Bat Man of Steel and, and Batman v Superman are kind of dour, dark, uh, not overly fun movies. Because that's, that's Snyder's thing. Right. But... Uh, the the now I don't know where I was going with this. Uh, well, the, the, the people are I know I know that a lot of people feel that he was and I and I thought he'd left. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought he had left Justice League because of what had happened in his personal life. Where they they're saying it was a soft um, firing. Did they actually did they actually get rid of him or did he leave because of what happened? There was a a number of things going on there, and I don't think he intended to leave. Uh, permanently when when the situation in his family happened and you know so there was a lot of stuff going around so it's really hard to say who did what but ultimately they did say he was fired oh, well, um, now they, I'm sure they had a they had to get their movie out and they had to get somebody in there to finish it right now I, I kind of look at this now uh, it's, it's kind of like when me and my friends, would uh, play games on the computer or play video games, you know, someone would come in and they would, you know, play the round and they would get as far as they got or do whatever it was that they did and then they'd get killed. And then the other friend would sit there, walk up, and go, okay, let me show you how it's done. Crack their knuckles, get in there and do it. So Joss Whedon had his turn at the machine and he put out his version and this is him just coming in behind them and go, okay, now let me show you how it's done. And he's got the 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 advantage of the hindsight and all the things that people did not like about the Justice League movie, and he can sit there and work on it his own. Now, I've under, understood that he said that he is not going to use any Joss Whedon footage. That's what I in heard. This. I mean, he will use the footage that that he had that was probably cut into Joss Whedon's version, uh, however much of it they may have used. But uh, he's not going to use any of, of, the, of the Whedon footage, and he shouldn't. So I'm I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I'll I'll, I'll wait and see what what, uh, what happens. 
I don't know what that's going to do to my or anybody else's head cannon on the DCU, you know, DCU movies. I don't think it, I don't think it has to, to, I mean, cause I know to, for Whedon had to, uh, the same happened with Ron Howard with solo that for a director to have their name on it, they have to shoot so much of a film. I don't know if it's 60% or something, whatever the percentage it's just percentage they have to film for them to be able to put their name on it. Uh, same thing happened with Richard Lester with Superman too. He had to reshoot so much footage for him to be able to be considered the director. And, you know, my fear is that it might, and I'm not a huge fan of Justice League. There's parts of it I like, and, and, and visually, uh, I think Snyder can do uh, can do uh, set scenes and set set a tone. But I think he's he's good for certain characters. I think he's probably perfect for Batman and other particular darker characters. I don't think he's good for Superman. I don't think he gets him. Uh, so. Maybe he's not right for Justice League because they need somebody a little more balanced, or maybe you know I don't know I, 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 don't, I don't I don't know the solution to this, but I'm not a, I'm not a Snyder hater. Uh, I know a lot of people are. Uh, he's either love him or don't. It's it's they you hate everything he's done, and they want him off the project, or they defend him. They think that Warner Brothers and DC kind of did him wrong by basically, you know, taking. Take, I don't say taking advantage, but you know this this terrible thing happened to him, and they're like, okay, you're out. We got to get our product out, but bring somebody in. Well, let's get the guy that did those two popular Avengers movies. Let's get him in, and they bring in Whedon, and you can you can almost see exactly where Whedon put his stuff in around uh, uh, Snyder's stuff. And I think it's funny is I've never necessarily been a big Whedon fan, but now all this stuff is coming out about he was he was kind of like the poster boy for. Uh, for uh, for writing and for directing, because you know people are still talking about Firefly, mm-hmm. and now suddenly they've kind of turned their back on him, and all this stuff has come out about how what a jerk he is. But it's funny because all that stuff that came out is only of recent events. I haven't heard anybody from Buffy or Angel or Dollhouse or any of those other series that he's worked on, even Agents of Shield, where he's they've come out and said, "Gosh, he was such a jerk," and it, it seems to be all related to Justice League, the cyborg, the, the actor that played cyborg. And, and again, he got most of his footage cut out of Justice League when it went to screen. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of what he's saying is true because Joss Whedon is a forceful personality, but I, I don't think it's indicative of the way he is all the time. But uh, I mean, you, you sit here and, and put him in this position to come behind Zack Snyder and make a good movie out of whatever's gone on, it's probably not going to be a pleasant situation. No, it's going to absolutely divide the fan because you've got Snyder fans that are like, hey, don't come in and mess up the guy that we like. Right. And then you've got people that aren't Snyder fans like, oh, he's terrible. Let's bring somebody in that can bring a little more humor and lightness and a little more character development uh, and more fun to it. And then you've got this mishmash of like, you know, two different. It's like mixing two different cocktails that 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 just don't work together. So I, I don't know. I mean, it looks like it could be a completely different film almost, because if he's not going to use uh, Whedon's stuff and some of the clips from the, you don't see a lot in the trailer, but it looks like it's completely. I mean, Superman's got a black costume on. Yeah. I mean, did they film all that and then they get rid of it? No, they're yeah. they're just using CG to change it from one to the other. Is that what they're doing? Yeah. 
I mean, that, I mean, it makes sense to me. You make one costume and you let CG determine the color. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But so you know, I, I was going to sit there and say, last night I watched two completely different, disparate movies. Um, my wife had fallen asleep early, and so I finally got control of the remote. And uh, I watched Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation with Gene Hackman. And then I watched... That's a, that's a great film. Yeah, and then I watched Palm Springs. Disturbing. What? What's that, Kirk? Great film, but very disturbing. Yeah, especially the, the last 15 minutes, because it's like I was sitting there going over everything that was going on and then realizing how the conversation really went. And it's like, oh, man... So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just a, it, it's a great movie, but it's also such an ugly movie just because of the, the time that it was shot in, the, the way people lived. It, it didn't matter if you lived a good life or, or, or not so good life. You know, early 70s is just an ugly period. And that's just my opinion. I could be wrong, but uh. now the funny thing is both Coppola and Gene Hackman point to that as probably their favorite movie to have worked on Gene Hackman like working on that character well he he had a hard time working on the character it caused him a lot of trouble while they were filming but it's probably the most satisfying role he's played and Coppola really and you know that was his you know original work that wasn't somebody else's work that uh, he uh, adapted yeah. like Godfather so uh, it was like again really really good movie and then I watched uh, uh, Palm Springs which is uh, an Andy Samberg uh, movie, and it's basically if Groundhog Day happened uh, out in the desert, <laughs> or you know, out basically, uh, it was like the 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 desert part of California, um, and it was a funny movie. It had some had some pretty good moments, and J.K. Simmons is in there with in, as a real good character. Uh, it didn't, you know, it wasn't the repetitiousness of Groundhog Day. Um, so much so as it as it was another experience between the characters, because uh, they actually found a way of you know more than one person could be affected by this loop, and it wasn't just one day. It was basically however long you stayed awake was how long that that it kept going mm -hmm. on. Uh, again, but it's a, it, but it's a is it a comedy or kind it, of? A, it is a comedy. Uh, you, you could even say you know romantic comedy, fantasy, mystery. You know. It it uh, even took quantum physics into into task there, um, but it, and it was very messed up. Tyler Hoechlin, of course, was also in it. Peter Gallagher, a uh, couple of the people that 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 were more notable that that, that were in it. Um, again, you know, it's worth at least one watch. And uh, the the concept, of course, is is kind of cool to sit there and think about like that, rather than what Bill Murray went through in Groundhog Day. Um, because it all centers around a wedding, someone's wedding day, and uh, these are just two people that happen to be going to the wedding. So uh, mm. it's it, it's it's it, it's interesting. And again, J.K. Simmons' character uh, was my favorite character in the whole movie, and there's even an after credit scene. So uh, J.K. Simmons is I don't care what he's in, he's good. I don't care yeah. what film it's in, he's always good. Yeah, and Tyler Hoechlin uh, kind of messed up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well. Speaking of comedies, comedies. what are we? Uh, what are we? Uh, what are we? We're, we're we're covering a little lighter book this week, aren't we? And this little is, is, is the operative word. This is this is an eight-page story. Uh, we're covering yeah. uh, Marvel's What the Number Two, 
And we're just covering the one story in that, and that is, uh, golly, what's the name of the title? The title of the story. It is... Uh, it's just Superb Man versus the Fantastical Four, isn't it? That's, that's correct. Superb Man versus the Fantastical Four. And I'll, I'll get it right into a couple things here. This is interesting. You know, what the, was a, a, a book, that a series that came out in 1988, and it uh, went for just over two years, I think 26 issues. And if you look at it, you'll see that John Byrne graces the cover several times during the first year, but not at all in the second year. And I don't know if that's because of change in editors. I know that Renee Witterstadter took over after issue 12 or during issue 12. And uh, that was Byrne's last issue to do do anything on there. Um, but, of course, what he did was he did, did a number of covers and he did at least three full stories, three eight-page stories in there. Uh, this one here, The Fantastical Four uh, and, and Superb Man, which, of course, is a, a, a play on Superman. Um, they did another one that was, um, I think it was the an Avengers story, and then a uh, Doctor Doom, uh, Santa Claus story. Yeah, I remember that. that. I've, I've seen that. that. That gets posted a lot during Christmas. It's, it's Doom dressed up in Santa. Yeah, and, we should uh, say this is. Oh, go ahead. No, uh, go ahead, please. We should say this. Well, we should say this is a this is a satire book. It's the Marvel mag of mirth and mayhem. It's like not Brent Eck, which they did in the '60s. Kind of they're they're kind of poking they're poking fun at themselves. Right. Um. So it's a it's like a Mad Magazine style. Very uh, very comedy, and it's even got that you know Sergio Aragon's uh, kind of it's not marginal thinking, but it's. If you look in the background of this story, they're you will filling see everything up. That Byrne yeah. has put in any little kind of in joke he could possibly shoehorn in, and one very mean spirited uh, jab at Jim Shooter. I saw that. Well, I will say this: the artwork. Uh, I know John, not to, to get too far ahead of us. I know John, you said you weren't a big fan of this. Uh, I think the artwork is great. I think Byrne has a real flair for. Uh, the Mad Magazine style of art, and you, you see that occasionally in his other works. He would do kind of a really kind of really characterized character, and here he's just you know no holds barred. He's 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 really done a good job of just making everything really uh, over oversized and over proportion and goofy. And the, I think of course the the Jerry Ordway inking doesn't doesn't hurt it at all. Yeah, you, uh, you look at this one compared to the the Doctor Doom Santa story. That one looks like he did it with a sharpie. <laughs> this one is, but this is the I mean, whether do you th and I don't and I'll, I'll say I don't think the humor is particularly funny. I don't know if Byrne can't write. It's not as uh, clever or witty as a Mad Magazine story, but the I, artwork is I think is great. I, I think one of the things one of the problems that he ran into is trying to find funny names for the characters and that's, yeah that's that he's not very successful there no <laughs> no, no no not not really but uh, let me, let me for, go ahead go ahead yeah go ahead no I, just go ahead uh i'm okay i keep jumping on your uh, your intro here well i was just going to go ahead and give the give the particulars here uh of it all now this uh again was what the number two published by marvel with a cover date of september of 1988 an on-sale date of May 3rd, 1988, had a cover price of $1.25, page count of 32, and the editor at the time was Carl Potts. Uh, there were four stories that were published in there, along with Superb Man versus the Fantastical Four. There was the retirement of Nick Fury, ex-agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's all misspelled. Uh, they Call Me Woofy, 
Is that Iam? <laughs> and the secret unsuspected sanctum sank your very much of Dr. Deranged. Uh, the credits of the story that we're covering here is, uh, of course, uh, writer-penciler John L. Byrne, anchor is Jerry Ordway, letterer is James Novak, colorist is Spectra Scotis, Nee Goldberg, or Re Goldberg. And this was actually reprinted in Fantastic Four Trial of Galactus trade paperback. Really? And, yeah. Now, the in September of 1988, here's what was coming out at the time. Uh, you had Adventures of Superman, number 444. Um, there was a German reprint of Spider-Man. I'm not going to try and even pronounce that. Uh, Starbrand, number 15. Superman, number 21. That's You Can't Go Home Again. That's uh, the second to last uh, burn issue there. And I think the the Super Adventures of Superman, that was was that the, the middle story? Paralevelized, meted infinity, before we went to Superman, number 22? I don't remember that off the top of my head. Uh, so he, the, was, he was kind of leaving Superman as he was doing this. Yes. Uh, what the number two, Who's Who Update 1988, uh, Ice Maiden to Nightwing. That's issue two. And a World of Metropolis, number two. Now, you know, the, world, the World of Metropolis, I think, went to issue four. And he wrote that, I believe, when Mortimer did the, the artwork on those. And, um, yeah, so we're very much at the end of his uh, initial run at DC with all of his Superman books coming to an end and him already having started uh, in Starbrand, doing the work in What The. Uh, so we're, we're seeing that transition as he's about to come in. And what's, what's the first thing he does? Is it West Coast Avengers when he comes back? I always get that mixed up. Uh, I don't know. I was just reading the, the book that Dave sent me, West Coast and I'm going to um, take a quick look at my chronology there. And November... Well, no, he, he uh, did some Wolverine work. And then, golly, go, oh, X-Factor Annual number three. So that's uh, probably something real small. And then, yeah, I can't tell. I, I see uh, there looks like a lot of New Universe stuff, The Pit and uh, Starbrand. Well, I... I tried to find. I couldn't find anything on his burn robotics about this. I couldn't. I don't know if anybody's not talking about it, but no, I couldn't uh, find. I couldn't find. So uh, okay, uh, Sensational She-Hulk and West Coast Avengers were the next books that he really uh, the the main books that uh, he picked yeah. up on after that. So uh, that's all. That's all coming up. Um, let's see. Of course, he did the cover to this book, which is a very nice, uh, superb man there with. Uh, the Fantastical Four. I, I I just can't stand those names. But let me go it's ahead not, and yeah. pull up my synopsis here. <clears throat> there wasn't a, uh, any good synopsis out there, and what I wrote, I wrote like an hour before we started today because I kept going back and forth if I wanted to write a synopsis or if uh, <laughs> if uh, I, I, I wanted to just read, you know, just go page by page and describe it, and neither really uh, did it justice. So here's what I've come up with. <clears throat> Superb man flies nosy dame over the headquarters of the Fantastical Force so she can interview them about their latest financial difficulties. Superb man then changes into a secret identity of Park Bench to meet her and beat her. See what I did there? Uh, to the story as he has done so many times in the past. The human Scorch flies right by nosy while trying to razz a bunch of spidery man fans. 
The flyby ruins Nosy's $500 hairdo in raging park bench. He changes once again to superb man to teach the squirts some manners. Here we find that this is all part of some master plan of the Fantastical Four's sworn enemy, Dr. Bloom. Bloom runs into Superb Man's sworn enemy, Rex Ruthless, and both get warned that there's too much swearing going on by a quick cameo from the keeper of the comic code, who looks surprisingly like the Shining Knight. <laughs> Back to our heroes, the Thung, yeah, right, comes across Superb Man beating up on the Scorch, and the battle ensues. Then Sue, I, I mean Shrew, Richards, the inevitable girl, I slash that, I mean woman, comes in to stop the fight with a force field. Superman uses his brand new power of male hotness to seduce the inevitable woman. Back to our villains, Dr. Bloom reveals to Rex Ruthless that the, his, the stroke of his master plan is knowing that Park Bench is Superman. This, of course, causes Ruthless to laugh for panels on end, then goes on ad nauseum how Superman could not possibly be park bench, despite the obvious evidence, even where Dr. Bloom brings up Ma and Pa Kent to testify to the truth that park bench is superb man. Ruthless continues his diatribe, finishing, as such a man with a human alter ego would be nicer than the villains. Agreeing to that last bit, Bloom concedes that Park Bench cannot be Superman, and therefore the heroes cannot be fighting in that very moment, even though that is what happens to be going on. Defeated, Bloom leaves. Superman goes to take off with the inevitable woman, so he blows off the Scorch, punches the rocks off the thung, and then this is where Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastical, shows up to point out that Rex Ruthless was behind the financial troubles in the first place so they shouldn't be fighting after all. Of course, this is the point that Nosy Dame reminds him that this started because the Scorch ruined her hairdo, and the fight starts all over again. The end. So, <laughs> I'll say this. The artwork was beautiful. Nice caricatures, up and down. Uh, he does, yeah. Yeah. He does a great job of that. And Jerry Ordway's inks really kept it nice and tight and pretty. I've always liked Ordway's inks on, on, on Burns' work. I know you're not always a, a, a fan of that. Yeah, the artwork is very nice, and I, I like how you uh, called it back to Sergio Argonis. I mean, it is very mad, crazy, cracked, all of those great magazines we had as kids. <laughs> um, nice summary. Thank nice you. Summary. Thank you very much. Artwork is very reminiscent of not, not Brand F, which was basically a Marie Severin vehicle. 13 issues back in the 60s and bought them all, but it got tired fairly quickly. But uh, good job on this. Thank you. Now, I'm going to go ahead and go right to the artwork. And one of the first things that, that caught my attention was on the first page, as you look at Superb Man, is that he's got two fish swimming in opposite directions on his chest rather than the typical Superman S. Yes. And for those that don't know, that John Byrne, for the longest time, always looked at that symbol as two fish swimming in opposite directions. He didn't realize it was a letter S initially. <laughs> so Crazy. Oh, really? Yeah. I had so, never heard that story before. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I, what I really like is the little biplane flying across the bottom of the first panel that, that you can't see at all, but it basically says, it's bite the hand that feeds you weak. Yeah. Well, if that's the route, you'll see that plane in the mm -hmm. background throughout the whole mm -hmm. and he has you know he's done very mad i mean i think Byrne could could have drawn from mad max um 
except he has a hard time probably with actual he's just characterizing comic characters there you have to actually set you know characterize actors and such but um it's got a little bit of a that first page where you see clark kind of you know he's he's i do like when he's landed and you see it says bound it's a single bound mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> when he takes off and then he changes into uh, which I think is the the only really clever name is Park Bench. I don't know why I think that's funny, but Park Bench sounds funny. Uh, he looks a little. It's a little bit of Don Adams where he's coming at chin. Look at that big yeah, Leonard Jaw chin he's got. That's um, but the rest of it does look. Uh, it's it would easily fit into Mad Magazine. Now he did actually do work in Mad Magazine back in two thousand four. In Mad hmm. Magazine four thirty eight. Yeah, he he actually got a letter saying he's one of the usual gr- bunch of idiots now. So that's that something he wanted to do. And I do like his maniacal Dr. Doom. The way he's drawn him is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Though I, I like you know, basically how there's all these characters <clears throat> all around in the background. You see Iron Man fly, flying, Thor flying, Wolverine, um, and Spider-Man all, all going about. And then even you can see uh, Galactus munching away on the, the Fantastical Four's building. building. Yeah, well, you see him to take a more prominent role in this. I I was like, okay, he's the elephant in the room. Yeah, it's it's not. It's just I think that's just I guess is what's getting uh, the human scorches uh, attention. Then you and then you do. It's it's almost playing on the fact that every all the superheroes are in uh, in New York because you see like at one point you see the Hulk's walking away. You see the Man Thing popping out of a garbage can. <laughs> Well, yeah, right next to Oscar. He basically he kicked Oscar yeah. the Grouch out of the, of the yeah. trash can, and you see and, uh, Raj two thousand in a, in another panel there somewhere. Yeah, on the very first page, at the bottom of the page under Superb Man, you'll see Raj two thousand digging through a trash can. I I missed that one. I saw the oh oh yeah there. I didn't say I was too busy caught up on the the single bound thing. Uh, and yeah, then you've got I, the, there's the so poster many for Mike Modoc. Yeah. <laughs> The yeah, what, what is that now? Mike Modoc and the AIM. Of course, uh, AIM stands for Advanced Idea Mechanics. So it's Mike Modoc and the Mechanics. <laughs> As you remember, Mike, uh, golly, what was his last name? He, he was also part of Genesis, not McDonald. And then uh, you've got a, a, a shout out to Otto Octavius, the Sushi Bar and Grill. Sushi Bar. <laughs> and uh, someone wrote a for a good time called Cat Grant. And it looks like there's a phone number there. I can't quite read it though. Eight six seven five three zero nine. No, not quite. <laughs> no, that would be mm-hmm. funny though. And um, then of course we get to see Doctor Bloom, who's got two. He's got one smiley face and one sad face on where his. Uh, Cape buttons are. Uh, buttons are. Uh, a lot, you know, there's a lot of little details in the back here. What's uh, There's a, a newspaper on the next page laying down by Nick, Lex Luthor's head. Does that say Statham? Statham is Joe Staten or? Staten's still, still dead. Staten's still dead. <laughs> still dead, okay. And then uh, who's that in the window there? Must be Aunt May. It's probably Aunt May. Looks like she's got hot cakes. She's got wheat cakes in the. Uh, She's putting in the or a pie maybe. She's putting in the. Uh, it looks like the, the Freeze Meister from Sh- uh, Rudolph's Shiny New Year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got a lot of just, lots of just little in jokes. I mean, I do some some of it is kind of inspired. When he says it's hard to write funny thing dialogue, but it sounded exactly like regular. I thought that was yeah. that was pretty clever because it's true. Um, 
And maybe, uh, Brian, you can explain. I never understood. Why does Superman's beard continually grow? Suddenly he's got a five o'clock shadow, then he's got a full well, on. It, it was, you know, the thing is, all through the, the Silver and Bronze Age, it was one of those things that Superman's hair and nails would not grow. Thereby, not ever him never having to worry about you know clipping his nails or, or doing that since you know there aren't any Kryptonian nail clippers around, and oh. you know uh, the a barber would take you know scissors to his hair and the scissors would break, so you know they they just said okay his hair and nails don't grow. When we got into the modern age of the burn era, yeah. <laughs> it's not a mullet. It's not a mullet. <laughs> I thought it was a reference to that he 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 made a, a point that that he has to shave with a mirror and uses yeah his I, um in the burn laser era, vision yeah in the burn it. era these things started to grow, and so you know there would be a lot of occasions where Superman or Clark Kent would have five o'clock shadow, and it would cause concern for him that he's got to take care of that so that you know people don't realize that Clark and Superman are the same thing. Mm, yeah. For him, it's a uh, minor, it's a minor noise. Wait a second. Wait, wait. I don't know why he was so worried worried about that when Oliver Queen and Green Arrow can have the exact same goatee and no one ever noticed. <laughs> hey, you know, nobody ever talked to Bruce Wayne about the funky tan lines on his face. But <laughs> or Captain hey, America. Batman doesn't, Batman doesn't go out in daytime. He's just nighttime. Yeah, well, yeah. how about Captain America here? Does Captain America that, have the funky That could be a problem. Lines? Well, there's yeah. he's got some SPF 50 or something slathered on his on his <laughs> on yeah. his chin, but, uh, but I do. Again, he's, it's not like he no. really worries about his secret identity that much. I don't think that's true. Uh, Burns kind of poking fun at you know artists where he's when Luther's doing his little speech about how wrong uh, Bloom is. You see, instead of Rapidius, his uh, stat of head from panel four, stat of head from panel four, just. It's. I guess that's how that really works. Just. T I'm not gonna draw it again. Just take it and copy it and put it there and put it there. I, I think he was just taking a you know a shot at all the people that said that he you know does that because yeah. he would always get criticized for it, even though other artists did it all the time. But uh, if you go back to page five, and this this one here is it's like one that can pass right by you if you're not paying attention. There's a couple on this one. At the top of the page, you'll see the torso of a man standing there with a cup full of pencils. And it's blue pencils for a nickel each. And then oh, the other sign yeah. says, please help unemployed super ego. Because that is basically it's Jim Shooter since he's Shooter, really yeah. tall. Yeah. yeah, and a torn up jacket and all that. And, of course, you've got the, the rubble from some building that's been damaged. And if you look down in the rubble, you can obviously see, see Barney the face rubble. of Barney rubble. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the when, when Superman runs into uh, Shrew Storm's force field, the fish come flying off the front of his costume. I noticed that. Is that the Flash running in the background? Yes. Yes, right behind it, right below him? Yep. And of course, when they saw Shrew Storm, everybody's standing there just ogling her and drooling. And <laughs> I'm, what is that under her arm? Is that just Thor's arm? Yeah, yeah I and think it's got it's a heart arm. tattoo on it. It's, it's got a heart where, tattoo, yeah. The heart tattoo like makes it almost look like a face. Almost. Yeah, but it's like Popeye's arms. Yeah, and then what does his hammer say? I can't read that here. Made in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course, uh, you know, Doom and, and Ruthless getting into their little thing. And this whole thing, you know, it's just the, the, the joke of Lex Luthor not being able to accept that Superman is Clark Kent uh, brought here. You know, it, it's... 
people I, I don't know how much people poked fun at that. I didn't think they did. I thought it was actually, you know, the, the way that character is. And considering that character is an extension of this guy that we know, uh, Donald Trump, I'm not surprised that, that that he would go with that line of thinking. But that's just me. I could be wrong. So um, down there in the bottom, Rex's, there's a thing that says, do not overinflate. Over yeah. <laughs> and uh, do not that wait. little nozzle there is very, very wrong looking when you oh. <laughs> enlarge it. Yeah. I did not notice that. <laughs> I did not notice that. And then on, Do- on Bloom's mask, it says at the bottom of it, no step. No step. Yep. <laughs> like I said, here it is 30 years later, and we're still finding stuff that, that – you know, yeah. that, that's gone by. And this is one of those books that I and my friends really poured through looking for all the the little stuff in the background, the, you know, the, the stuff that, that, that you would miss and still miss those things. And what's on that button that, that the gal in between uh, uh, Doom and Luther or Bloom and Re- Re- Ruthless? Sisterhood Set. of Floozies. Support <laughs> your Sisterhood of Floozies. I think that's Cat Grant. No, maybe it's not. <laughs> Just one of one of uh, Ruthless's uh, stable of fillies. Hangers on. Yep. Now, what is the? Oh, okay. It's it's the Roman number four on on the costume there. Yep. They keep changing that because later she's got two squared. Or, oh, or, or, or uh, Weed's got two squared on his. At one point, it's got a guy golfing, and it says four on his chest plate. So they keep changing the. That's um, good. Yeah, and. I can't tell. And the Mon Pa bench or got cutest couple 1988 buttons. Yeah, I, I just love the inclusion of them in there. Yeah, yep, that's right. <laughs> and she's. Got... I like the artwork on the bottom right of that sixth page, the extreme tight shot of uh, Lex Luthor's face. Yeah. I have seen this reproduced elsewhere before and never knew where it was from. <laughs> Now I finally got a source for it. Uh, but you know, you it's know what, almost it, like the Watcher. What it makes mm-hmm. me think of is uh, uh, Into the Spider Verse. The way they did the Kingpin in that is that that's what it re- makes me think of right now. He does look a bit like that because he's mistaken for the Kingpin, or right? The, or right. The, the Kinpin, or yeah. how you pronounce it? Kin, the Kin, the the Kinping um, at first. Uh, but yeah, in that film, he's drawn kind of big, very big and hulking. I'm surprised the Watcher didn't make an appearance in this, unless it's somewhere in the background and we haven't seen it yet. But um, I first I thought that was the Watcher showing up too, and then it was like, oh wait, no, that's Rex. But yeah, um, and here's something I I never got the joke. I'd seen it before, but I don't understand the joke. Is that as Bloom is leaving there, you can see a very tiny puck there beside him with a sign that says Alan Thicke fan club. Now, Alan Thicke, of course, being the, the father on, um, was it fan, not family ties? What was, what was the show that he was the father on? Oh, Kirk Cameron. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean, you know, he was the anyway. father on there. And of course, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I just don't understand the joke other than, well, Puck, Puck is he Canadian? Is He's Canadian. Canadian. Okay. There you That's go. Right. I think That's he was, like a singer or something in Canada as well, so maybe it's kind of a little bit of a joke about Alan think maybe he That's thought he puck. was yeah. bigger than he was, so or maybe it's just a Canadian Yeah. Now Canadian course, connection, the, you know. What's the guy right above the the in the next to stat of head from panel five? The shadow. 
It's the shadow. Because he says, which proves beyond oh. a shadow of the doubt. And he goes, you called? I know it's it. more, more like a pilgrim hat than the That's shadow. That's what I hat. thought it was. Yeah, I couldn't like figure out what the pilgrim like was a, for. Like a, a pilgrim-y Kilroy. Since the nose is hanging over. But yeah, that's the shadow. Which is very popular. The shadow books, both Kyle Baker, were very popular back then. Andy Helfer and Kyle Baker doing that, and I really enjoyed those books back then. But I wouldn't eat hot dogs for several years thanks to that book. (laughs) And if you're wondering what I mean by that, somebody fell into the meat grinder. Oh. Yeah. I'm sure that happens more often than you think. Uh, And that's why my son will not be eating (laughs) hot dogs right now. Hey, uh, now, on, uh, on page seven at the top, as you see Superb Man and the Inevitable Woman, look at that card down there. The eyes are looking up. Now, this isn't a yep. uh, wheelie and the chopper bunch. This almost yeah. almost, almost looks like cars. Cars. But cars wouldn't be for a good 20 years. Oh, I was so, thinking it was wheelie. Well, wheelie had it on the on the, uh, the lights, the eyeballs on the a, lights right there. Yeah, but that's, okay. a ta- that's a taxi. Yeah. So it's, it's not it's not something from Roger Rabbit. It looks exactly like something from Cars. Yeah, but yeah, but Cars isn't isn't the thing yet. And is that just a cactus behind Superb Man? I can't tell what that is. I'm looking at a CBR, and it's not the greatest scan. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, now when he knocks the rocks off of Thung, and all those people are standing behind him, like the Scarlet Witch, uh, Bobby Morse, uh, Mockingbird, Mockingbird, Tigra, Tigra. And, and is that Daniel Moonstar? That looks like Danny from her that era of the New Mutants, yeah. And then the little yes. girl from Power Pack. That's the first uh, time I've yeah. noticed her there. But they're all giving a score: eight, uh, nine one eight five nine nine eight seven. Are they scoring him for his nudity? Excuse the radar. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, obviously they're scoring <laughs> because of you know. I guess they're, they're of course they're staring at his butt, but. On the panel above it, you see She-Hulk behind the thong. Yep. What is oh, she yeah. carrying? What is she carrying? Barbells. Oh, okay. Giant barbells. I can tell. And this is before uh, he actually takes over. He starts the sensational She-Hulk. So he's probably mm-hmm. in the process of negotiating that when when he was doing this. But he, I think he'd done some pinups of her with the barbells. And he did that poster yeah. of her, like a muscle beach. Is it yeah, where uh, she's holding his. a thing above her head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, it's interesting in the page next to the naked thong, uh, or I guess this case it's uh, um, Ben Grimm, um, when Superman is, is ranting about, uh, it says, you may have stolen away 90% of my readers with your cosmic storylines and constant whining. Is he referring to kind of Silver Age when FF came around? Is he talking about FFs when he was on the book? I think I think he's talking about Marvel stealing away Superman during the the Silver and Bronze Age when Superman was just you know the Carrie Bates Kurt Swan kind of era, you know the yeah. the, and, the Julian yeah, Schwartz and was on era. The Fantastic Four. Yeah, because Marvel was just you know doing rings around DC at the time, but you know it is Superman who could you know conceivably kick their butts over and over. But uh, then on the next page, um, we get a cameo by Plastic Man. Well, he does kind of, yeah, well, it's true. He's in the background. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Two squared. Nice, uh, nice cameo there. And then, of course, uh, little, is that, I don't know if that's Katie or Julie Power there. Uh, and Rex Ruth was trying to get her to take the lollipops. <laughs> is that an implication he's a child molester? I, well, what's the significance to this? I think you read that now. I think it's, uh, back then it was, I think, more of just don't 
take candy from strangers, maybe, but... Um, oh, look, what Batman! I didn't even notice yeah. that. Oh, in the background. Is it Batman or Bat-Duck from... Uh... Bat-Mite. Yeah. It's a very muscular Bat-Mite. <laughs> <laughs> With a very tiny waist. <laughs> well, they're all like that, though. And look at that hot dog, though. I'm getting hungry now. It's a hot dog. Uh, <laughs> there's a, there's a, it looks like a camp. There's a, there's a uh, piston in there. Yep. But, and Superman's S and the Fantastic Force Four. And, it's, and I mean, just this story's worth reading for the artwork. I mean, the story's not particularly super funny. It's not witty. It's not um, like really subversive or anything. But this it's, is what it, you would get as the first story in a Mad Magazine. Yeah. If they did a movie parody of something, this is. This but it's is not as get. funny. I mean, those Mad magazines, those those yeah. guys were writing some pretty biting satire that was pretty funny, uh, and this is, uh, yeah, that's just not. I don't think that's just Burns' thing. I He's, swear he can draw funny. He can draw yeah. funny. I swear Tom Palmer inked that nosy dame from the second to last panel, almost making her look like Debbie the Duck. <laughs> but hey, what do I know? But that's it. That's the. Uh, that's the story, and it, like yeah. you said, you know, it, it had some funny stuff. I I thought it was fun, and back when I was, you know, younger, my friends and I were looking over this. We would pour over this book for hours, just marveling. No, no pun intended. You know, all the different, the the things that we found in there, the in jokes and and whatnot. It was, it was a lot of fun to do so. And see, I I find another one here that I I'm not sure what it is, and it's on the page where the scorch flies back flies past Lois or ruins her hair, there's somebody going there with a... they got a sign on their back, but I can't read what it says because i got a bad scan. And Hang I think... On. Yeah, oh, I, yeah, I see it. Uh, on the right side of the page. Yeah. Um, and, something about... I don't know. Hi, I'm Ralph. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I can't but, quite make it out. There's a guy on the left that uh, could be a Stan Lee cameo dark glasses he's got hair with the gray temples and i'm thinking that's more likely nick fury yeah he's got an eye patch that's what i thought he's got the he's got the he's typical got two, two of them five o'clock no, shadow he's walk. wearing sunglasses and sunglasses he's got yeah. an eye patch as well oh yeah you're right you're right okay. he's got the he's got the uh like the i Kirby, said you, uh, you could pour over this for hours and find keep finding things uh because there's so much there in the um in, in, in the background. I mean, there's that, that one scene where the thung punches Superb Man and he goes through like four different walls and, you know, each of them's got like, a, well, some of them got labels on them. Some things he comes through differently. You've got Lego pieces flying. Yeah, puzzle pieces. Yeah, puzzle pieces. <laughs> I mean, there's just so much in here that you could, you know, you, like I said, you could spend a lot of time, and I, I'm betting all the stories that he did for what the do the same thing. Well, I, I would like to say, uh, I mean, if somebody else is writing it, I wouldn't mind seeing a series of him with drawing in this style. I think it's it's pretty, it's just kind of comicky and fun. But uh, mm -hmm. but I would like somebody else to handle the if it's going to be humorous. I want somebody else to handle the. Um, the, the the writing, or it would be maybe interesting to take uh, a, a straight approach to this. Just do it in this style, but write it, um, but don't write it as a humorous book. Write it uh, as a straight book. So that would be kind of interesting. Bug me. That would bug me so much. Yeah. If they're gonna do it yeah. like this and then write it straight, that would. <laughs> I'd have a well, hard time with that's that. That's my. I'm gonna 
tear off a scab here, but that's that's my objection to the invaders. It's in an extreme style, and I can't take it seriously when I look at uh, what's the artist's name, um, the guy who did the invaders series for so long. I uh, did a, a stretch on uh, Captain America. Uh, I'm not going to let you bag on Frank Springer. Okay. But you know who I'm talking about. Uh, that's do. why I can't get into oh, him. I'm that's sorry. It wasn't Springer. It was Frank Robbins. Frank Robbins. Okay. Hey, I mean, you know, his artwork is, is one of those things that people either love or they don't love. I, I, I right. don't know. There's a lot of middle ground there. So I'm kidding, right. Kirk. I'm kidding. No, Kirk, no, no. But... I understand. It's it, that's. I think the problem with, with these humor books I mean, you can tell me that this this series, if you call it a series, this title ran 60 issues, but I have a hard time believing that that was all original and fresh material. I feel certain that they must have started to recycle earlier stories later on or mixed in not brand X because that's the, the nature of the beast is the readership gets tired and they age out very quickly. This appeals to young kids. Well, this um, this was um, it went twenty six issues, and the thing is that when you start looking at the later issues, you start finding you know the early issues had Burn and a lot of top guys sitting there submitting stories and such for it. The later issues seemed to be the guys that weren't getting as much work, you know, throwing right. something in, trying to get something, or you know, spoofing whatever they're putting out at the time, the mutant massacre or or what, whatever else was going on. And, you know, it, 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 as they're doing that, they're going to also take their shots at the artists and writers that are popular. So they're going to, you know, do that. Uh, it, it, it didn't, I don't recall anything being recycled in the what the books. Because okay. there's one where they, they basically, they, they, they lampoon the um, Weapon X story that Barry Windsor Smith did. And um, I think uh, Joe Staten and Hillary Barta did the uh, the artwork on it, and it was hilarious because it was just a perfect lampooning of that story. And okay, let me see which well, one. That, you've that got was stuff like issue twenty one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got Fred Hembeck does the story right at this. We're not covering yeah. it, but and he's the kind of guy that you would find in a book like this because he's already doing humorous stuff. So uh, it it was hit to me, and I. I I don't know if I've got most of these, but I, I forgot that it ran so long. But it's hit or miss. It, mm-hmm. it is, you'll get, you're going to get uh, even with the own, even within its own issue, it's hit or miss. You might find a, one good story and you find a couple duds. Uh, and some of the humor, I think, is you know it's got a low hanging fruit. It's like the really obvious humor. Um, but it's it's kind of a it's an interesting approach to do something like this. I don't think DC ever did <clears throat> kind of a uh, 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 self-parody book, did they? They did, and um, I, I, I know that Mike Plug had something to do with it, and it had one of my favorite uh, spoofs of Superman ever, and that was, you know, in the Bronze Age, uh, there was a sequence where um, Lois falls out the window at the Daily Planet, and, and Clark doesn't have time to change, so he just flies down and saves Lois and she goes ha Clark I always suspected you were Superman that's why I pretended to fall out the window <laughs> and and the next scene you see Clark at his typewriter and Morgan Edge comes in and goes Clark have you seen Lois and he goes Lois oh she fell out the window now it was actually drawn by Kurt Swan but it was in that magazine 
I first read it at uh, the barber shop getting my hair cut. It was one of those uh, that uh, mm-hmm. I found there. And it had, um, I want to say Sergio Aragones did uh, some Batman artwork there uh, that was on the cover. Very detailed um, spoof of Batman in the Batmobile. Uh, but I, I cannot remember what the name of the book was. It was just something, a single word with an exclamation point. Um but it was, you know, all DC, all funny DC stuff. Yeah. And it depends on who, uh, like there's another book in here that's uh, uh, Al Milgram is just a story, but it's Mike Mignoli is doing the artwork and he's doing a pretty good job of doing kind of a funny version of Wolverine. Uh, I think some artists probably can't adapt to this. They're, they can do their style, but they can't, maybe can't adapt to doing a more comic and humorous. So it, you're kind of limited as to who could be, in this book and you know you're going to find somebody who can write you know i'm sure probably any writer thinks oh i can write humor but it's different it's not it's not when you're writing super superhero uh dialogue and storylines and being very bombastic it's kind of hard to kind of twist that and make it um something that's funny i remember uh todd mcfarlane did um uh, a thing i think it was just a two-page story but it was, uh, you know, McFarlane's a huge baseball fan. And so he took that a step with Batman where, you know, Batman's sitting in the chair and he's trying to consider what to strike fear into the hearts of men. And some neighbor kid knocks a baseball through the window and the kid's got a bat and he goes, a bat, that's it. Of course, I shall become a Batman. And so he's like in a baseball uniform with a cape. And, yeah, the jo- the, the, you know, <laughs> and the Joker's sitting there going, this this joke is killing me. <laughs> but um, well, a lot, a lot, a lot of this humor feels like it's like guys like us that we get together, yeah, and just goof on, you know, comics, you know, because it's like anything that you're a fan of, of it's Star Trek or Star Wars, whatever, you know, you're got fans that are going to kind of poke fun at things and have reoccurring things. Hey, isn't it funny how this always happens? And that's what this humor feels like. It's mm-hmm. not. It needs to be cranked up uh, two or three more notches to make it really satirical, but. Um, yeah. Overall, I mean, it's it's not it's not it's it's a interesting art interesting artifact of the time. Yep, and and you know, it's like if, every now and then, if you pull that out and take a look at it, you might get a chuckle out of it. Uh, you you need the right moment to do that. I needed a moment like this week. You know, this week was one of those. Probably this was the 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 better choice of uh, of something to do to get my mind off of the you know just the sadness of of, of Bozeman's passing because that just. Again, it was a surprise, and for someone so young, uh, I needed a laugh rather than you know some yeah. other kind of escapism. Isn't this similar to? And I don't own it, but I know Scott and Chris have claimed it's their favorite book. It's a, it, I think it came out in the '80s, and it's a big, oversized, giant book, and it's called Smash or Crush or uh, and, and destroy. destroy, Destroy, Destroy. And Scott had just mentioned that yesterday on the, on the latest episode of Back to the Bins. Isn't that kind of a humorous? Yeah, I've never it read is, it. It is like a deconstruction of the 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 comic books, you know, punchy punchy run run comic. Yeah, that's what uh, I thought. Now that, but it's an acquired taste. You know, he's sitting there talking about how he loved it, but he gave it to a friend, and they're just like, "Oh, what'd you do to me?" <laughs> <laughs> you no, know? Gonna, and, and again, yeah. the same thing with with these with these. You know, you, you're either gonna like it or, or not. I mean, the thing is, it's entertaining. In just the fact of what you're getting, you know, they did a, a you know feature on Peter Porker, the Spectacular Spider Ham. Now he had his own book, so why put it in here? Because his book itself was a parody, and yet, you know, 
they they went ahead and did uh, Craven's Last Hunt, uh, spoofed in that. But um, they, they did the Mutant Massacre and Wolverine versus the Punisher. I'm trying to find the, the, the there was another issue. Oh, there's a beautiful cover on uh, issue seven that Byrne did where it shows the Avengers versus the the Justice League. And so you see Guy Gardner and Wonder Man, and I even see the Fantastic Four and Namor, Batman. Hilarious. Did you see the? I like the um, further on this book. It's got the Terry Austin's famous Anchor School, the little ad. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, right. he likes that was, to do those. I thought that I've was seen several funny. of those. There yeah. was Porky the Pig in it. Yeah, and he's got this really rough sketch. So this is a typical panel of penciling for you to ink, and then it's got like burn. Brett uh, Bleavings and it's got Fred Hembeck below it. You know, they're basically saying here, you have this really rough picture and you're going to have to, uh, you know, to, to ink over it. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, if you look at uh, issue nine, uh, it's a front and back cover and it's got Wolverine on the front and he is fighting off Galactus, the Thing, Black Panther, Gladiator, Nightcrawler. And he says, back off you hosers. I get this front cover. It's in my contract. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Pretty funny. I mean, you know, and even Nova's there. Yeah, uh, you know, again, it's it, it's a comic comedy book for comic's sake. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that a lot of guys, when they did that, they did it because it was a nice departure. Uh, obviously, this is, you know, burned in, in that period where he's going back and forth between Marvel and DC. And he does take that one one big swipe there, at Jim Shooter. And I thought this was definitely more obvious than uh, all the little things that he did in Starbrand. Though well, that's, he said he yeah, tried very hard not to do it in Starbrand. That's that's a little. I mean, I will say it's a little mean spirited in this. Yes, yeah, everything I, else is kind of fun, but that's a little. Uh, but um, I mean, yeah, it's it's it is what it is. It's it's a you know it's a funny you know and eight pages is about right for this. You wouldn't want to read thirty pages of this. I think and you might get really. To Kirk's point, you might get bored, and 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 it it would it would it would overstay its welcome. So I think eight pages is about the right length for this. It was pretty packed as it was. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's dense. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to change subjects now, and okay. we don't want any spoilers. But did any of you read the end to the latest X-Men Elsewhen issue 14? Not yet. Okay. Is it out? Yeah, it's is complete. It it's complete. Issue 14 is complete as of uh, Thursday. The new issue will start a week from Monday, which will be, what, September 6th. Um, and so uh, this one is, you know, almost got the the Phoenix story wrapped up completely. Uh, the ending of it was... Uh, it wasn't a shocker for me, but I know that it, that it definitely affected a lot of people. The the response on Burns' website has been, you know, n- not a single uh, detraction or anything like that. Everybody kind of liked what he did. Uh, on the Facebook groups, uh, there was some people that fuss. They just don't like the idea that Burns going to use Kurt Busiek's, you know, Gene to copy uh, as, as part of a storyline. And, I mean, he's said uh, over a year ago, yeah, this is a copy of Gene. This isn't, you know, that's that's doing all the, did all the Phoenix stuff. That was always a copy of her, while the real Gene Gray sits at the bottom of Jamaica Bay. Yeah, kind of kind of like the whole, <laughs> you either, the, the, the extreme 
camps with Frank Robbins' artwork from The Invaders, which I, I, I really liked it. I thought it was something that fit well. But that, that seems like that's kind of the way it is with that story element that Corbusier introduced or, or suggested, which is copy or not copy. Was it really her? Was it wasn't? You know, and so I think I think fans, I, I don't see there's a lot of middle ground. There might probably be, but uh, I think a lot of fans are either hate it or they they don't mind it <laughs> so yeah it doesn't surprise there's a lot of chit, chit chat about um that particular element that was introduced way back when yeah but i i stay with it, of course looking at it every day and uh you know at some point here within the next week or so i'm just going to go ahead and read it you know read probably the last five or six issues again in a row to kind of see how the story flows um, you know, go over the, I want to go over the Sentinel storyline again because there was so much in that, and that's still continuing. So I think we'll hear more on that uh, a week from Monday. But for all the the Burn fans that have been uh, trolling the site and checking each day, all this week, nothing new. No new pages, unless he wants to treat us with something that's going to come a couple months or a year or so down the road. Because he's already got um, four other issues completed and you know he's continuing to work now he's also made a couple mentions of things that um he you know is like well, what does he do next if he loses the the muse to continue doing the x-men what's he going to do then and the one of the things that of course has got his uh uh you know a little tickle at the back of his head so to speak is the commissions that he's done there's some of the commissions that, that beg the question how did they get to that point how did they get to that spot there that, 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 that things were as they were? And, you know, he, he wouldn't mind doing like a one-shot story of whatever it was that brought him to that or whatever, you know, the resolution of it. So that, that in itself could be, you know, really interesting. But out of all the thousands of commissions that he's done over the years, it'd be really hard to sit there and say which one he's really considering doing. But uh, that just makes the mind just kind of peak a little bit. And then so there have been some really great commissions where he's mashed up some some of the two universes, like where mm -hmm. you've got the Avengers fighting or like the Justice League fighting Doctor Doom or and things like that, which those would be fun to visit just to see. Okay, do do a story or a, remember like the old uh, Treasury editions um, where you could just kind of get it all together and do that one thing like JLA Avengers that would be kind of fun to see something like that yeah well I, I think that you know uh, some of his best work uh, as a writer and artist came from you know like the Batman Captain America crossover that inspired Generations which I love Generations and I can't wait for us to have a, a good event and way to sit there and discuss Generations itself and Batman Cap Captain America was really a good story I liked it yes very in inspired for for what we you know what we needed as fans um there was a thing a, what, what, a, a, a subject that he had brought up on his site called uh strange mental meanderings and it, it told me something i didn't know about his history and that was that when he quit the incredible hulk it was actually a while uh, before he got off Fantastic Four and did, you know, and, and of course was doing Superman for DC. DC had actually offered him Legion of Superheroes as a series to do, and he turned it down outright. He did not like the Legion. 
and his dislike of them was pretty well known. I mean, he, number one, did not like the, the way that they were written back in the day, the super dickery that they did to Superboy uh, on his tryout. But there was also just the silliness of the way the characters were, you know, related. You know, DC makes Matter Eater Lad, Marvel makes Galactus. But <laughs> well, you'd think he would have jumped at that and, th- and taken as a, well, I can fix this. You know, I can write it better. I can fix some of the problems I've had with it. And that's uh, what his mind is sitting there going over today. What would I have done? What could I have done? You know, he's sitting there just thinking, you know, if he'd taken, you know, the road less traveled rather than saying no outright, what would he have done? So he's been just kind of, I, I don't know how far he's going in his head. And, of course, you know, the uh, the people that are on the website are, you know, making their own comments about what they would have liked to have seen, what they would like to have done. And so he's just kind of Googling back on the Legion's history and trying to figure out what's what, where's where, and, you know, how the Legion really, you know, unfolded without actually having to go and read everything. And, um, <laughs> I mean, because there's just so much. Oh, uh, my. Oh, my. Yeah, you but, think if what? he did something like that, oh, <laughs> after what happened with Superman, uh, Spider-Man Chapter 1, all that stuff, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's going to go back and do this. I just think it, it, it does allow a little mental gymnastics to sit there and kind yeah. of think what might have been. He did a couple real interesting shots of the Legion over the years, and it was just like static shots of all the Legionnaires so you could yeah. see them. And I would love gorgeous. I would love to watch see him draw classic disco era Legion because you know, that was my Legion of course. You talking like the it. Mike Grell or the Dave Cockrum era costumes like that? that Both, you know, that really hideous cosmic you know. boy pink and yeah. black costume that just uh, yeah exactly yeah. Or what? No, was he? Was it actually pink and black, or was that skin? And no, it, black was, it started off as pink shapes. and black, and then then it dropped off, and then it was just the bustier. We call it the bustier costume. <laughs> and so then it silly. went back to pink and black. So it was never skin colored. It was uh, always, uh, when it was just the bustier, it was really just skin. <laughs> <laughs> and that was. Yeah. There'll be inevitable comparisons to Shooter's Legion as well, and he may be wanting to stay away from that. But, but yeah, it would be fun. Was, yeah, he never men- mentioned that in any way. Now, then, of course, there was uh, – he had made a comment on this site. Mark Grunwald used to amuse himself by coming up with fake Legion names. And I only remember a couple. The boy and girl twins who were able to switch genders. Last Lad and Lad Lass. <laughs> and the boy who can impersonate a Hollywood starlet. Shirley Lad. Shirley. C-H-E-R-L-Y. <laughs> I'm just not getting that. Is that like, like Shirley Temple – but no, I don't know. I don't get that one. No, I don't. Um, unless it's unless it's based a riff on Shirley, you just don't call me Shirley. Shirley, yeah, yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't know. I have never well, read a single Legion issue. I have no. I mean, my knowledge of them is, is zero. Well, I, I, I'm I've trying seen. to help you there, so you got to check out what I sent you. So, so we just about covered uh, this issue. Oh, we're done with the issue. I mean, we're just chatting right now. It's been, I mean, and again, this is as short as an episode for us has gone in a long time. Again, it was an eight-page story, um, just a departure from the stuff that we've been doing. So, you know, the the next episode will will be a a return back to form, so to speak. Um, But, uh, yeah, we just wanted to take a little, uh, little detour here. Uh, from the usual things, because we've been running so long, and you know, on, on those, and 
Ugh, crazy. Anyway, uh, sorry, I'm allowing oh. myself to get distracted by the way. By the way, so um, we talked about this offline, but um, we have a, a, an email celeb amongst us with uh, Tim getting his letters read on the Palace of Glittering Delights for Mandy. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Got a shout out uh, for the podcast on there the other day, or I was listening to it yesterday while I was working in the garden and um, I believe it was on his Chuck episode or maybe his Danger Man episode, one of the two. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> well, and he even mentioned me. He mentioned my name. I was really, he, really surprised. I typically he, never get mentioned. He did mention your name. It's the good folks, Tim and Brian over there. Didn't mention the interns, but that's okay. Because they always just mention how it's Tim's podcast. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a shot back from uh, Scott Rifen back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> So. I don't know why, but I always have to dig Tim on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, I fell off. I missed that whole conversation. I got kicked off. Oh. That's okay. We're talking about that mole that you wonder had. wonder how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're talking about uh, the Palace of Glittering Delights, and they're reading your letters. And so you become oh, yeah. an uh, internet I celebrity. Yeah, I always have to write into Andy when I... And he did. He got me watching Chuck, and I've I've watched... Uh, two through almost three seasons of it so far, and it's actually not the not a bad show. Pretty good. Yeah, my and husband thought it was pretty good as well. Is that John Krasinski or Zachary Levi? Zachary, Zachary Levi. Levi. It's easy to get those two guys mixed up, though, isn't it? Yeah. No. One one's got charm, and one one's more charming than the other. Mm. I mean, I, I think Chuck Chuck uh, succeeds strictly on uh, Levi's earnest portrayal, just his kind of lighthearted comic uh timing and um and is also of course this also has uh uh adam baldwin in it which can't go wrong with that true 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 yeah i've, I've been wanting i've always wanted to check out chuck but it's not something that my wife uh does and you know basically you know in my in my house she's got the dvr uh, wrapped up she might I, like I, it i mean i started i started watching it if Fanula fell in and she likes it too so she's kind of become a fan so um, I think he said it's on Amazon Prime now. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's yeah. all five seasons are on Prime. There you go. Uh, just to give uh, you an idea, though, what, what my wife is watching now. Again, my wife, you know, she's you know got wide range of taste, and she likes a lot of the movies and shows that I like, which is good. Um, and she's actually started playing D and D with uh, myself and Mike Carlisle and some of my you know other friends, but. The last couple of weeks, she's been watching what the the Jersey Snooky show or whatever that is. She's been <laughs> binge watching all of those, and I'm just like, "Are you kidding me? What Boy. the heck?" And she goes, yeah. it's, just, "It's from the same neighborhood as Comic Book Men." And I'm like, no, just, no, no, no. <laughs> Vanilla just found um, Lucifer, so she's been binging that. Oh, my son loves that show, and the new series season came out just within the last few weeks. Yeah, really? Lucifer's. Yeah. I, I don't know. It was still in the air. The yeah. It, well, it, the thing was, it, it was on for I think three seasons on regular TV, and um, it got canceled, and then Netflix picked it up. Netflix picked oh, it up, and, okay. and then they did a season, and, and then they took a while, and they did a fifth season, and that's what just came out within yeah. the last few weeks. And okay. they're talking about doing a sixth season. Oh. And Trisha yeah, Helfer was on it for a long time, and she she was really good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if she's still on in the fifth season, but um, I really liked her character. And I know that the last season of Supernatural is in process right now, or it's just about to end. 
The show that will never die. The <laughs> show that will never die. You know, the, that and Walking Dead, just, they won't die. Well, I don't know about The Walking Dead. Um, it's actually, I watched the last season that came on, was on, was it on Netflix? It was a season I did watch when it was out. It was the, spoilers, season after Rick supposedly died. And I kind of watched a couple episodes here and there, but I just, you know, once once I kind of lost interest in that show, I was done with it. Well, I, uh, I, I stopped watching it, and uh, I was watching Fear the Walking Dead because I was actually doing the podcast with uh, Scott McGregor, the, you know, Fear the Walking Dead cast. Beth and I mm-hmm. were both on there. And, you know, the show just, it just was, you know, it, it didn't really go anywhere. And, you know, I, it, I started getting that same feeling of malaise from that show as well as the regular Walking Dead series. And so I just walked away from both of them. My wife, she still watches them. Um, but the, the other thing that made me not want to watch uh, Walking Dead any further is that one of the characters uh, that they introduced on there, and uh, he, of course, is in uh, the Fantastic Beast uh, uh, series as well. And I, I'm trying to get the guy's name um, because he's such a good, uh, good and funny actor. Uh, where is it? Yeah, uh, Dan Fogler uh, is, you know, he's Jacob Kowalski in the Magic Beasts and where to find Fantastic Beasts and where to find him, and he's joined the cast of Walking Dead, and he's got that same kind of bubbly, oh. you, know, you know, he's just not not supposed to be there kind of guy, and you know that he's gonna die at any time. He's just, you know, one of those guys that's waiting to die, and I don't want to see him die. So well, I don't you think, think I'll, I'll even watch the show. I don't even want to hear what happens to him. Did you ever watch, um, I don't think it's on anymore, Last Man on Earth with uh, Will? No. Uh, that show was actually, I thought, better than it should have been. I thought the premise was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. But I, but actually, it was actually funnier than it should have been. And they would do a thing where they'd have a, a big name come on, and they'd immediately get killed off. Like Will Ferrell comes on, and within 10 minutes, he's dead. Jack Black comes on, within 10 minutes, he's dead. And spoilers for anybody's, sorry, anybody's watching the show, but... Uh, that's what that sounds like, and I. Um, yeah. I thought that's what you know he would. That's, you know, that's but he might. The Zombieland movies. I don't know. If it's yeah. It's like it's a, it's a bit like yeah. It's a bit like Zombieland, but it's a little. Um, the humor's I think a little not quite as broad, but uh, he plays the crazy uh, uncle on the Goldbergs. Which I've never watched the Goldbergs. That's the first couple of seasons there's, are pretty there's funny. There's a couple a couple series that, I, that I'd like to go ahead and sit down and watch. My son is getting interested in checking out Seinfeld, so that's on Hulu now. So, oh. you know, we I, I showed him the sequence with the golf ball and the whale, and George being the marine biologist, and my son just thought that was the funniest thing ever. So I said, okay, well, maybe he'll enjoy that series. But I want to watch Scrubs. Because I watched a couple episodes over the years, and I always liked that series. It's not bad. I've, I've, I've fell off that after about the first two seasons. But. And then um, The Modern Family. want to check that out. But it's not available anywhere streaming right now for some reason. Hmm. Is it on... Uh, does HBO, HBO Max have ABC? That was an ABC show. So I'm not sure, but it wasn't showing on HBO Max uh, anytime recently, and... The only you can get like a season at a time on Amazon, but it's you know pricey, and you know that's yeah. money, that's yeah. money I don't want to spend. So yeah. I'm just you know I've got a couple streaming services. I'll see if you know 
if it ever shows up, then I'll check it out. But you know, for the time being, right. I'll just wait. But now I got to sit down and find Chuck and watch that. So Chuck's Chuck's good. Um, well, I think we've. Uh... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think and, we've because I can see that John and Kurt are, are, are muting their mic, so uh, I think we've all run out of things to say. No, <laughs> no, I have well, I have no. two more things to say. Oh, sure. Uh, don't listen to Andy's uh, talk about Chuck because he talks about the entire series, so it True. will right. spoil Spoilers, yeah. things in between. So if you don't if you don't mind, then go ahead and listen to it. Um, because he talks about key elements throughout the entire series. So don't listen to Andy's uh, uh, episode about it uh, unless you don't mind having those kinds of things. So um, do listen to his coverage of Stargirl. Yes. Uh, it just came out this last week, uh, a very good but, show. Of course, Andy Andy puts out a great show. You could listen to yep. him read the phone book. But but the same thing is is um, he's going to talk about key elements in Star Girl. So if if someone hasn't watched Star Girl and they don't want to have those key elements revealed, <laughs> then um, uh, wait. But yeah yeah he he really did a very I listened to that I, I was gardening yesterday so <laughs> I listened to about three hours of Andy all day long wow. and it was great Spider Man Danger Man uh, Star Girl and he did a really good review there for that uh, that was really cool and. Uh, well, I will like, say I, I listened to his Chuck episode, which is what got me to Chuck. And it, uh, yeah, even though I kind of know how it's gonna it's gonna play out, it doesn't really didn't affect my enjoyment of the show. So, you know, it, it's it's up to you. But if you want to watch five seasons of it and then go back and listen to Andy, you do that yeah, too. Yeah. The other thing is, is a couple weeks ago um, we had brought up the new Star Trek Lower Decks, and we had only seen the the previews of it. So, has anyone watched it? Since and what do you think? I've watched all the four episodes. I watched one yesterday. I've watched all of them, so I've seen everything that's uh, out there so far. I only seen the first one. Um, my wife only... used to not be interested in it, so I'll have to watch it on my own. <laughs> only the teasers. Oh, and thoughts? Uh, it's not. Oh, I'm like it's not. It's it's not even a mixed bag. It's just not for me. It's not. <laughs> I'm not going to be one of these guys and says, oh, I hate it because it's not exactly what I want as Star Trek. Uh, it's just not. Um, I think the biggest problem with it is it's not really funny. And it, if, if anything, even if it's not Star Trek, I think if not Star Trek, it's not my Star Trek. It should at least be funny. And it's not really particularly funny. Um, and my other biggest concern or nitpick is I don't really like the way they're treating Starfleet. Starfleet has kind of become a big joke in the film or the, the show, which maybe that's supposed to be the idea, but I don't. I, I guess I don't understand that why this show exists, but because why have a if you want to have a funny space show, do it. But why have a show that's basically poking fun at your franchise? Because so many people start came on and watched Picard without watching a lot of other Star Trek. And what Picard said was that, you know, Starfleet is not this great organization that all the other series had painted it out to be. Only Deep Space Nine of the uh, of the older series, you know, ever said that thing wasn't always sweetness, light, and perfection, you know, on Earth and at Starfleet. Uh, the rest of them pretty much painted it out as the perfect organization to be in. Well, I, I would... I, I would... Say even on uh, Next Gen that there were times. Usually it was it was done through some renegade admiral that comes on and Picard has to kind of conspiracy order, 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 order. But the I wounded. think yeah. 
it was, there were times when they showed that it wasn't, you know, it was, uh, it, things weren't perfect, but we had progressed so far and they were, were constantly striving to be this better thing. Um, but we haven't got there, you know, we're not at, it's not a utopia, but you know, we're getting there. We're getting there a little bit every day. Uh, now the thing with lower decks is they, the, and this is spoilers, but it's on it. The, I, I didn't know the John, who's the main character, the girl, um, the captain's daughter. Yeah. Oh gosh. I forgot her name. Whatever her name is. Um, she's, she's kind of our focal character. And that, that right there does point out to one of the biggest problems that we have with our new shows and movies and such is that they're not creating characters that we automatically know exactly who they are. You know, you watch one episode of Star Trek, you know, the original series, and you're like, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, you know, you know them. Oh, I, and, maybe I'm not interested enough to learn her name, but uh, yeah. I don't understand why she's in... Uh, why she's in Starfleet, other than the fact that her, like, it's almost made that her mom forced her to go to Star Trek, because she doesn't seem to want to be in Starfleet. She she doesn't care about authority. She just, she flaunts the rules, and she, uh, you know, she, she, she doesn't care that she's been busted down to an incident, I don't know how many times. Uh, she just wants to go out there and, uh, and explore, because she's good at it, that's what she says. But she doesn't want to do uh, anything else in a disciplined ship, which you know you have to have because it's a semi-military type organization. So I, I don't like that, that you know she'd say, well, officers all they care about is hogging the glory. You know, the down here is where the stuff really happens, and that is what kind of rubs me the wrong way. Uh, that's too bad. I'm enjoying it, and I, and I find some funny moments in it, and like the, the Vulcan salute from that was that was yeah that was I mean there are. Don't you Vulcan salute me like that? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I got an idea. Okay. Um, it's Ensign Mariner. Is that her Mariner, name? Mariner. Mariner, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's I, I'm not whether it's continuity or not, it doesn't matter to me. I just I, I just it's a nice break for me and it's a nice change of pace. It's animated, which is kinda cool. The um I think I think it's kinda like like what we just read, it's just kind of a little satirical about yeah. everyone taking things so seriously, and um, it's kind of poking fun at just the stuff that we kind of forget. The, the, the stuff that you're like, you know, oh, okay, it's uh, we're forty, we're we're thirty-five minutes in, you know, we're in a forty-two episode, we've got to quickly, you know, oh, Wesley, yeah. save save the day, yeah, you know, Jordy, <laughs> come up with the excuse that uh, that sets everything right, and all of a sudden, you know, oh, oh, wait, this was a time warp. Okay, now everything's back to normal. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought that up because it is very much like this issue we just covered. It is, yeah. it's kind of the funny things fans talk about about you know how something really would be or how this happens and that kind of happens so yeah. uh is any i've never watched rick and morty has anybody else watched it is no one watches it is rick and morty is it like is this i, know. I know this is by one of the guys from rick and morty i don't know how close this is to that show i believe you said there were, that it did remind him a little bit of it but you know i i haven't watched it to sit there and say whether or not you know it's it it's, i haven't uh, watched rick and morty i don't know i i i, I know uh some people like that show. Some people don't like it. So I don't know um, if it's a little more. I think it's a little more adult, more like an Adult Swim kind of show. It's not necessarily a kiddie show. Um, I, I figured it was like uh, the Venture Brothers. I like the Venture Brothers um, of what I, that I've seen. I think that's kind of funny. But, but 
I, that's great that you enjoy it, John. It doesn't, you know, it, it has nothing to do with, you know, if I don't like it and you love it, that's great. You know, that's what makes a good fandom. You know, I'm not yeah. going to tell you that you're wrong because you like it. Uh, and, you know, you shouldn't, you know, well, let me, let me shame me you. for not liking it. Tim, so, now, yeah. have you watched all the short treks? I haven't. I've seen I've seen them covered on Red Letter Media, um, and there was which is not them. like the new Star Trek stuff. But. I watched them too. Very good stuff. Did you? Well, are you talking about the very the newest ones that just came out? Yeah, there was one that had the tribbles in it. Yes. Um, the trouble with uh, I forget what is what, what the character's name was, and um, you know as far as you know Trek goes, it was kind of like seriously. <laughs> I mean, because they were they were treating it almost seriously, except you had the one character that was just like, you know, comical, but at the same time dangerous. Yes. The trouble and... with Edward, and I mean, I, I kind of liked it, and I kind of didn't. And then there was, of course, Ask Not, which was uh, the um, uh, the cadet uh, getting stuck trying to guard uh, a, a prisoner that you know you you shouldn't you know you just don't expect to be a prisoner. And that was yeah. a really, really good one. And I think that, you know, that, as much as anything else, helped to cement um, the new Strange New World series. Oh, yeah. Um, See, I, I, I heard through. that was on hold. Is that still going forward? I keep hearing back and forth that that's, I heard it's you know, going forward. But, again, you know, with the pandemic, everything's kind of, you know, a lot of shows are kind of on hold while they try, try to figure out what they can and can't do. But also, when you, when you have something like this, you've got a limited amount of staff that you can have. Well, I, I've heard that because a lot of the, the complaints on uh, Picard and Discovery and uh, even Lower Decks is uh, Alex Kurtzman. Um, and people don't like him, really don't like him. Uh, that there's, I've seen that there's some kind of an uh, internal struggle between him and, I guess, whoever's in charge of CBS that they're trying to... You know, they don't like what he's done with Trek, and they're trying to bring it back. They're trying to save it. You know, it's just all this political crap that's going on behind the scenes about, you know, that are, you know, fans, fans are like, oh, I love it. And the other fans are like, no, it's terrible. You know, get him off. So I don't know what's. The last I heard, it was going to go episodic that we're going to get the planet of the week. And, and I'm all happy with that. You know, I so it's so. going to be a lot more like next gen. And, and other you know shows of that ilk rather than the one continuous storyline all through the season. Um, and, and the three leads are, I mean, the actors are so good in their roles. Uh, Rebecca Romine and Anson Mount and then Greg uh, Peck, Ethan Peck. Uh, I think it's just going to be really cool. And I like that short. That was a very, uh, people can try to find it and, and take a look at it. It's very, very well done. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I wasn't crazy about the guy's portrayal of Spock, but uh, that may have to do with, you know, I wasn't crazy about the season two of Discovery, but uh, I like Anson Mount. I like, uh, he was my far, my favorite part of uh, season two. So if it I goes. Just, I just hope they fix his hair, Spock's well, hair. Well, based uh, on that short, based on that short, I think we're going to be seeing more of the Leonard Nimoy style of Spock than we did in the Discovery. Okay. Uh, because based on what was, if that short is any indication of how they'll design the character, the the haircut and um, the portrayal, you know, this the very Vulcan portrayal, trying to keep the emotions out while keeping the logical side most present. And that might work out because so much of the bad nothing I've I've read on Trek is, 
it's it's like Trek for non-Trek fans. And they're like, uh, I don't care about the the old fan. This is new stuff. Like, well, then, okay, you can have that, but why not make ev- why have everything live in that kind of universe? Why not have this uh, a little more like old Trek? And then you can still have your other shows. So they don't necessarily have to be the exact mirrors of each other. They right. can have... But they can still exist in the same a universe. But they can shows be gives a exactly topic. So that way you're going to get in. You're not alienate all the fans and hoping to get new fans because you know how often does that work when uh, in the comic industry we've seen they're like, oh, we're trying to get new fans in. It's like well, that never works. So all right. we'll see. So I think that um, we are at the end of our time here, fellas. All right. Uh, so we're going to get this one uh, edited out and thrown out, and we'll be back next week with some more John Byrne fun. Uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more burn next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but again, you know, we'll, we'll pick a, a full book this time. Uh, I, I think we've, you know, we've kind of meandered the last couple of weeks doing a lot of different things. Last week with the uh, X Men Elsewhere, which is its own creature. And, and such and uh you know this is here we are at the end of summer so we might get back into more of a a normal swing of things but uh someone else is picking the book this time not me yeah all right if you've got a thought an opinion anything you want to talk to us about anything you'd like for us to cover write us email us at gotta get burned at gmail.com or you, Andy, can leave you owe us a couple of letters since uh tim's written to you yeah, and Andy and I are, 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 are working on promos in the background, but we'll we'll go over that later. Um, but also, you can leave us a comment on our Facebook page, uh, the Third Degree Burn Facebook page, or wherever we post this episode, because we post this episode across uh, many, many different Facebook groups, all either related to John Byrne or the era of the comics that it came out in. So uh, please let us know what you're thinking, feeling, what you want to hear, what you you know maybe you don't want to hear. Maybe then that'll inspire us to talk about that. Kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got to take the good with the bad. You can't just you know pick, handpick just the the juicy stuff. You got to you know you got to sometimes pick stuff that wasn't successful. Uh, babe, I'm looking at you. Um, sometimes and you know. You can't just talk about you can't talk about just the highlights. You know, you can't talk. Oh, we're just going to talk X Men and Superman. You know, you can't talk about everything. Yeah, no, I, you know, one of the things I've been sitting there thinking about is going back and taking a hard look at Iron Fist number one, where he meets Iron Man, because I thought the art was really hard to look at in that, and I'm sure that goes to the inker. But again, that's something that we would have to, you know, take up in a in an episode maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, who's going to take us out? Uh, I'll take... I will. I brought us in. I'll take us out. Fight, 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 (laughs) fight. I hope if you've listened to this, you've enjoyed our coverage of a a little eight-page humorous uh, uh, book that a lot of people may not be aware of. They may not be aware that Marvel did this. Um, But anyway, uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. And uh, for Third Degree Burn, I am Tim Elliott. I'm Brian Hughes. Go ahead, John. I think I heard Kirk back there. That, that's John Hyde over there, and that's Kirk Greenfield over there. Say goodbyes, guys. Yep. Long. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye. everyone. And we're out of here. Out. <laughs> Sorry, I was muted. I didn't realize. Uh, ah. <laughs> no, I can see you're mute. I said that's why I said there's John over there. Wait, um, he's mutant? John's a mutant? Yes. <laughs> yep.
Thanks for listening. You can find us and many other great shows at tutufreaks.com. That's T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot com. Third Degree Burn is spelled with the number three, R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-B-Y-R-N-E, and is part of the Tutu Freaks network of shows. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for Third Degree Burn, spelled with the number three, and burn spelled B-Y-R-N-E. Compliments, complaints, and recipes can be sent to gotta get burned at gmail.com that's g-o-t-t-a g-e-t-b-y-r-n-e-d at gmail.com drop us a line and tell us how we're doing till next time this has been third degree burn some men aren't looking for anything logical like money they can't be bought bullied reasoned or negotiated with some men just want to watch the world burn <laughs>